Hi, Christ Central. Today, the scripture reading comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. It's all about spiritual mothers. So if you would follow along with me in your Bibles, it'll also be projected right on your screens. Let's give our full attention to this. Verses 7 through 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. This is God's very word. Thanks be to God. Last week, we launched into this book written by the Apostle Paul, his first letter to the Thessalonian church. And we contended that Apostle Paul is easily top 25 or top 10 figures to influence or change the world. Perhaps top 10 in the history of the world. You see, Apostle Paul was used by God to change countless number of lives. Now, who here doesn't want their lives to be changed in some way? Or who of you doesn't desire and pray a lot for someone else to be changed? You have family members. I know for the last two months, you have been kind of cooped up with them more than you've ever been. You have siblings. You got relatives. You might have had some Bad dates, I don't know, the last time you could have gone out on a date, maybe a virtual dating. And of course, you so long for some people's lives to be changed around you because you can totally see they're very unhappy. There's a continual trouble or drama and consequences that trail after them. And so you want to change them. You want to change them. Of course, I want to change them too. And so you try all kinds of things, you know, push and pull like direct power plays, or you just get passive-aggressive. You're loud or you're soft. You might look into the latest psychological or sociological trends. You might read a book on how to change lives. In any case, how did Apostle Paul do it? How did he become such an agent of God to change lives? How did he do it? Well, today is Mother's Day. So I'm happy to preach to you from this passage. Paul was used by God to change countless number of lives because his ministry was maternal. Father's Day will be coming up in about a month and we will see how Paul's ministry was also paternal. But today, his ministry was maternal. Four aspects, four aspects, right from our passage today. First, he was gentle. Second, affectionate. Third, taking care like a nursing mom. Fourth, he gave himself. Four aspects of Paul's ministry. Four aspects of his maternal ministry. First, he was gentle. Look at it again, verses 7 and 8. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children. Gentleness. What is that? How many people are genuinely gentle? This is a rarer gift. Gentleness is not a weakness of character. It's not a certain shy or quiet kind of avoiding type of personality type. Anyone 
can lose their temper. Any person can just say, unfiltered their opinions. It's like no one even asks you for your opinion, but you always got to say your opinion. Anyone can say, well, I'm just keeping it very honest and real. I just got to get that off my chest. Anyone can do that. Regardless of what kind of damage or discouragement or influence it might bring, even you might be bringing someone else down by always kind of voicing your opinions on things. What is gentleness? Gentleness actually takes self-control. In fact, it's right there next to the word self-control and the fruit of the Spirit. So here's actually what gentleness is. It's not cowardice. It's not weakness. It's not a personality type. It's an actual supernatural strength. It takes far more work, believe me, to this soul. It takes far more work. It is supernatural strength clothed in kindness. Paul said, countless number of lives were changed around him. How? Why? Because he overpowered them? Because all he did was just scream and yell his head off? He asserted his authority or position? No, the first word that he mentions in his maternal-like ministry was that he was oh so gentle. Because through gentleness, the channel or the fruit of the Holy Spirit Life is given and lives are changed. After all, Jesus Christ himself, our Lord, described himself in this way. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Do you know many people who've been so worn out and beaten down? You have fallen to the ground. You feel like you can't get get back up. Who do you go to? Who do you seek out? You go to the gentlewoman. You go to the gentleman. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Here's a second aspect of Paul's maternal ministry. Second, he was affectionate. Affectionate. One of the most outstanding features of Paul's ministry was he is not prone to hyperbole or exaggeration like most speakers and preachers are. Paul was sincere in everything that he said. Go read through his letters how many times he exposes and expresses his heart for the people of God. By affectionate, here's what I mean. Paul wanted the church or the people of God to know his heart for them and he made sure to reassure them of his heart for them. Listen to his heart. Verse 8, we just read it. We were affectionately desirous. Affectionately desirous. You were very dear to us. Flip over to verses 19 and 20 of chapter 2. Here's how this chapter concludes. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Can I ask you, have you ever said those kinds of words to anyone and meant it? You are our glory and you're my glory and joy. Have you ever poured out your heart like this for someone before? I mean, it actually sounds like Paul invested so much of himself. He poured out so much of his heart into someone else's life that if you're sad or troubled or distressed or weary, Paul himself, his heart is bound up with yours. 
If you're unhappy, he's unhappy. If you're restless and worried, he's restless and worried. Have you ever invested or given yourself like that to anyone before where it seems like their life and your life are intertwined and if they're up, you're up and if they're down, you're down. This is the affection in the ministry of Apostle Paul. Now, if someone's distress or someone's conflict or someone's fear or someone's anxiety or someone's doubt doesn't affect you at all, their trouble does not trouble you. I ask you to consider it's because you haven't given your heart. You haven't given your affection yet. You haven't invested that much yet. And you would not really quite understand what Apostle Paul was doing here in all of his life in ministry. And people know it when you haven't given your heart. I'm sorry to tell you that. News break. People after a while know it. They know it, you know it. And can I tell you, when they know it and you know it, lives are rarely affected and changed. Paul said of himself, we were gentle among you. It's a supernatural strength, clothed in kindness. Second, we were affectionate. We expressed our hearts and we made sure that you know of our hearts towards you. Now look at verse 17 of chapter 2. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Remember this from last week? Apostle Paul had planted a church in this town called Thessalonica. A violent uprising arose and Paul had to flee for his life. He could not stay. He's saying, we were torn away from you. He says, my heart though was never torn away from you, but physically I was. Do you know what the word is that appears here where he says, I was torn away from you? It's the same word for a grieving person when you lost a loved one. In Christian community, the attitude goes, I am actually not okay. I am not completely self-sufficient or happy without you. In Christian community, I am not self-sufficient from you. I am not emotionally independent from you. Where do I get this? The ministry of Apostle Paul. As a seminarian, I remember one of the chapel speakers saying, all you young men and women at that seminary, you can go out and preach so eloquently and you can be incredibly gifted and intelligent and what have you. You can preach your hearts out. But he went on to say, but if people don't know, you love them. No matter how good of a preacher you might become, if people don't know you love them, they really won't change that much. So you see, do you know the most singular important condition under which people do change? It's when that somebody knows your heart of affection and love for them. Paul's ministry changed countless number of lives. First, because he was gentle. Second, affectionate. Third, third. Wow. He says, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. 
This is quite an analogy. He said, my ministry was like nursing moms who take care of their little children. So along with gentleness and affection, which some of you might think are soft and cuddly aspects, well, those are kind of like soft skills. Here, make no mistake, this is not a soft skill. This is not a soft aspect. I don't know of many people in the world who are grittier, more resilient, more enduring, stronger than nursing moms. Now look at verse 9 once again. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to you. I do think this is directly attached to the previous verse, verse 8. He's saying, look at nursing moms. Oh, and I am talking to nursing moms today. We have so many right now in this season. Can't imagine the kind of worry or stresses. I mean, really, this season is unlike any season we've ever experienced. Thank God for your healthy children. But you know, in the middle of the night, when you hear that crying or that screaming from the crib, and you got to drag your just exhausted body out of bed, put just one foot in front of the other to get over to the crib because your baby needs milk. Your baby needs attention, urgent care. Paul, Paul right here is saying, oh, that heart, that activity, that kind of toughness. Paul says, that's my standard. That's what I'm about. Now, two misassumptions here that come up commonly when this Apostle Paul goes around. Most people have no trouble with Jesus, but Apostle Paul's letters for someone provokes quite a reaction. And the first misassumption goes like this. The Bible, especially Apostle Paul's letters, uh, relegates women to traditional roles. See right here, Pastor, there's the proof right here. Look at that, nursing moms. Why does he talk like that? What does that mean? Uh, you might stretch it too far and say, well, that must mean that Paul thought all women, all women just must be full-time stay-at-home moms. Um, I think you'd be stretching it too far, just like I mentioned. Uh, You're getting that assumption or that kind of reaction more from gendered psychology or past or current cultural norms more than you get that from the Bible itself. I mean, for the biblical record, I mean, really, let me try to set the record straight as, as I can. A man's working career is never privileged while a woman's working career is patronized. In the Bible, never. Men should provide for their households, yes. It's in one of the letters to Timothy. Men should protect. Women and children get off the boat first, of course. Men should provide and protect. But it never says in the Bible that the man should be the primary provider. Nowhere in the Bible when it calls men to lead, yes it does, it calls men to lead, does that mean that men are superior? That they're smarter? Or they're more competent? Uh, We have too many real life examples that completely destroy that argument. But in the scriptures itself, it does not mean that. Men are simply called to love you first. To love people more Christ-like, more sacrificially than others. And knowing the scriptures, does the kingdom of God 
value, your income, its amount, your title, position, or achievements. But the kingdom of God values service. So to this first misassumption that the Bible relegates women to traditional roles, I would just ask you to consider, I don't know if you really got that from the Bible. Um, Just two like safe, non-controversial fun facts about myself. Uh, I can't get pregnant. Uh, Babies cannot come out of this body. Uh, My wife, Sunny, would disagree. There's many a times in our marriage she says, but Harold, you carry all the symptoms of a pregnant woman. Get away from me. She has said that. But I, biologically, I, I cannot give birth. Second, second, here's a fun fact. I cannot nurse children with my breasts. <laughs> um, nothing good's coming out of there. And my wife has also joked, which I will leave aside. But there's a kind of a crude thing that she says to troll me about this one too. But look, these are biblical and biological differences by design. It's not about inequality, is it? No, I'm just... I'm ill-equipped. But we are made, male and female, different by divine design, equal in essence, equal in dignity and beauty and glory before God, but different. You see, God himself is the one who prescribes or puts it into all of the world that there can be such a thing as unity in diversity. Unity with diverse parts, different parts, different people. Because God himself is three in one. One God, three persons. In a happy, perfect, unending love fellowship. Here's a second misassumption. The Bible is misogynistic. The Bible is full of misogyny. Now, just as dangerous as it is with the Holy Scriptures, uh, to read and interpret it from a white centric perspective just as dangerous as that to have one supreme race or supreme culture dominate your interpretation and understanding of the holy scriptures just as toxic as this is a male dominated or male chauvinistic one too around the globe today stephen carter professor at yale has reported that the people most likely to become christians Convert to the Christian faith. Do you know who they are? Women of color. Not only women, but women of color. How does this happen? Because of this same book. See, any kind of abuse, discrimination, prejudice, bias, mistreatment, taking advantage of, or just outright violence and hatred... On any person based on race or gender, it's not because of the Bible. It's just a blatant misuse of the Bible. It's a completely misassumption, misunderstanding of the very, very Holy Scriptures. So I just want to get this point across when we read the Holy Scriptures and try to apply it to our lives. Please don't read too much into it with current cultural baggage. And don't read too little into it either. (laughs) Some examples of this. The same Bible that supposedly sanctioned slavery is the same Bible that brought about its abolition. 
In the 1920s, did you know that the first wave of feminism, the first wave of feminism, which was a fight for women to be able to vote and inherit land, in large part was due to Christian activism. In the New Testament times, the Bible was attacked not for demeaning women, it was attacked for the reverse, for honoring and exalting women too highly. I mean, look at Jesus, the perfect man, the perfect man, whom all men are trying and repenting and dying to become more like. But Jesus, the perfect man, look how he loved and honored his mother, Mother Mary, even at the cross. Look at how he treated Mary of Bethany, where he said, wherever the gospel is preached, what she did for me today will be memorialized. It'll never be forgotten. And look at how he honored and used Mary Magdalene. The first eyewitness that his body had been raised from death that first Easter morning. Oh, back to Apostle Paul. Back to Apostle Paul. Oh, isn't this the same person who wrote Ephesians 5? Wives must submit to their husbands. Yes, it is. But the same apostle who wrote something dirty like that, I won't unpack it at this point, but he is the same apostle who does not ever relegate women, but reveres and praises all women as his standard for his life and ministry. Oh, last but not least, the very Spirit of God, one God, three persons, took upon the exact same Hebrew word or description that Eve, Mother Eve, had in the Garden of Eden. How was Apostle Paul used to change so countless number of lives? He was gentle. He was affectionate. And he took care took care, the practical, continual, gritty work like a nursing mom. Fourth, last one, he gave himself. You see that in the last verse. He said, I didn't come around just giving you the words of the gospel. No, I gave you of myself. I gave myself over to you. James Loder used to teach at Princeton Theological Seminary. Never forget his classes. He studied Many different things, but one was the intersection of child development and Christian theology. And in one of his books, he observed, embedded deep within the human spirit is a longing for a self-confirming, cosmic ordering face that never goes away. Oh, did you hear that? Embedded deep within the human spirit is a longing for a self-confirming cosmic ordering face that never goes away. You see, each of us, as infants, learn to trust the world through that first face-to-face encounter, whose hopefully loving gaze reflects back to the infant child that you are altogether beloved, pleasurable, good. And this lays the groundwork for what we call healthy attachments and healthy relationships for the rest of your life. Problem though, people come and go. Even moms. Embedded deep in our spirits is a cosmic order in face that never goes away, but all those faces go away. And so of course, I know, you know, we live in a culture in which we get so jaded, so worn out, so disappointed, our hearts are hardened by all the relationships that break apart. People come and go. People come and go. There's too much abuse. There's too much separation. There's too much divorce. 
We are children, generation after generation after generation, that are very suspicious, rightfully so, of how long will that relationship last? Is that really you? Is that genuinely you? But I want you to take a notice at Apostle Paul. Do you see here? He did not overprotect his heart. He did not overguard his heart. But he gave himself away entirely for the church of Jesus Christ. He did not just come with the words of the gospel. He gave himself. Uh, 13, 14 years ago, uh, when I was interviewed and called by this local church, one of the questions I was directly asked was, well, Harold, uh, your first pastorate full-time was about five and a half years over at Christ Central Virginia. Mm, Can you commit to double that here? Can you commit that you'll be here at least 10? And, uh, you know, it's good that ignorance is bliss. I just gulped real hard and said, yeah. Not having the faintest clue what that really means. I committed. And if you had asked me 13, 14 years ago, Pastor Harold, what is one of the greatest maybe blessings or influences you think God has used you for? And I would have never imagined that it just might be. Uh, Maybe the greatest life-changing, life-giving influence is that I I stayed. I'm still here. And if you remember the No Better Shepherd Conference back in February of this year, can you believe that was this year? We had a No Better Shepherd Conference in 2020. It seems like eons ago, but that was this year. And I happily spoke to you, and I'll happily say it again when needed, there is no better church for me. Because it's not just about, oh, I stayed here for you. No, I can't believe you stayed here with me. You're still here. And the type of life-giving and life-changing blessing that God brings forth when we give and commit ourselves to one another is quite simply divine. Well, we close with this. So how did Apostle Paul change lives? How did he do this and how can you? How can I? Don't you want to know? See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what Paul was all about, if you remember from last week, is not a philosophy. It's not a work ethic toward becoming perfect parents or living the best loving life. Do you know how Paul did life in ministry the way he did? He simply turned around and did what Christ Jesus himself did to him. Do you want to really know how Paul was used to change countless number of lives? He did life in ministry by doing what Jesus Christ had done for him. Look at Isaiah chapter 49. One of the most affectionate passages of scripture where you get a glimpse into the very heart of God. Verse 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Isaiah is taking upon the very voice and the heart of the living God. Mothers may forget you. Mothers may abandon you. You may lose your mothers. 
They may be nowhere to be found. That face may go away. But God himself says, my face will never go away from you. I will never give you up. Because Jesus Christ himself considered you, you. If you are a Christian child of God, do you know that Jesus Christ considered you infinitely more valuable and precious than anything in all creation, that he gave up his entire life to have you. And now you, you are his joy. You are his crown. You are his glory. Oh, my friends, I cannot adequately put into words what is really going on in the heart of our God towards you. And you don't have to have biological children of your own to experience this kind of thrill and joy. Look, you don't have to have kids to experience this. Apostle Paul did it. He had supreme joy. And most of all, Jesus Christ himself never had children, but he has everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verse 44. Where Jesus himself cries out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen? Gathers her brood under her wings and you are not willing. Jesus Christ himself likened himself to a mother hen who cries out, to gather all of her children under his wings. How do lives change? Don't you want to change? Or don't you want to be used to see changed lives? No group, no government, no power, no force, no company, no institution comes close to changing more lives than the spiritual mothers and fathers in the church of Jesus Christ. Because my friends, it is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that lets you come just as you are. Look, you don't have to be different or further along than where you are at right now. That's the gospel. You don't need to be anything more than or beyond or more fixed or more advanced, more put together, or even through this COVID season, have written a book and gone through all of this kind of trials, being so productive, where you can come out and give a perfect testimony about how you met God like never before. No, you don't have to do any of those things. No, there's a maternal ministry to this. The gospel is that you can come just as you are, and then God himself will never leave you just as you are. You come just as you are. There's the maternal ministry. And Apostle Paul turns around, which we'll look at on Father's Day. God then will never leave you just as you are. He's paternal too. You see, if you just get gentleness and affection, you get a nursing mom who takes care of all of your needs practically and urgently, day and night, and you get someone even willing to give up their lives for you. They're self-sacrificial. But listen close. But if you do not have the strength, you do not have the encouragement of a voice and a vision of a father directing you to greater glory ahead. You do not have the voice and the vision of a father who is completely committed to you as well, just like the mom 
toward a greater goal filled with glory, you'll be stunted. You won't ever really be happy. You're not going to be set free. You're not going to become like Christ. You might just be spoiled. You see, along with spiritual mothers and with the church as our mother, you and I also need spiritual fathers. And you and I definitely need the Father of Jesus Christ too. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the ministry in the life of Apostle Paul who mirrored the ministry and life of your very own son, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I pray that your spirit would take the gospel and apply it specifically, personally, and deeply to every one of the needs represented here. That we might also turn around and offer life-giving, life-changing ministry. May it be so as we become more like Jesus. Oh Lord, would more of Jesus be shown and shared to the ends of the earth. Hear us, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.